are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Programming note. This episode of this podcast was recorded before the unfortunate passing of Charles Grodin, who is one of the stars of this film and has spoken about quite a bit. He was a true comedy legend who has provided many a smile to me and so many others over the past several decades. Rest in peace, Charles Grodin. And to quote his character from this movie, I hope to see you in the next life. With this first episode, we'll be talking about Midnight Run. This film came out in 1988. It was directed by Martin Brest, and it stars Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, Yafit Koto, Dennis Farina, and Joe Pantoliano, otherwise known as Joey Pants. The genre you would call this film would be buddy action comedy, but it's not just a buddy action comedy. It is the buddy action comedy. Just how good is this movie? It is so damn good that after having seen it back to back in theaters with Die Hard, with my father, one rainy afternoon in Seattle on summer vacation back in 1988. I'm still not sure which film was better. And I loved, loved Die Hard. I still do. Welcome to the party, pal! Just as Die Hard is the prototypical one-man-against-the-odds action thriller, Midnight Run is probably the prototypical buddy cop action comedy. Even though Robert De Niro's Jack Walsh isn't technically a cop, he's actually a bounty hunter. De Niro, paired with Charles Grodin, who plays Jonathan the Duke Mardukas, was a match made in the movie Heavens, even more so in the hands of director Martin Brest, who was hot off of directing Eddie, Eddie Murphy, that is, in Beverly Hills Cop a few years prior. This was Martin Brest's sweet spot a few years before he would end up directing inferior overlong star vehicles with Al Pacino or Brad Pitt. The less said about them, the better. hoo don't get me wrong, this film clocks in at a few minutes over two hours, which is technically a bit long for this sort of light genre film. But there's not a wasted minute, not an ounce of fat. There are a variety of action set pieces on planes, trains, and automobiles. They are all well staged, and they never wear out their welcome. Not one bad scene throughout, not one emotional beat which isn't earned, and certainly not one bad performance. And definitely there are no shortage of memorable moments. Jack taping his picture on the ID on the plane with the little kid next to him admiring his handiwork. De Niro's boyish laugh with that face he always makes as he says, probably in Bezler's too, sitting next to Grodin. Better class of people. Your class. Probably all in Bezler's too. Dennis Farina, RIP Dennis Farina, unfortunately, his sweaters and his colorful threats involving cream sodas. Yafik Koto, who also sadly left us recently, his priceless... Price a slow burn as people keep repeating the name Mosley to him. The Duke dispensing with startup advice as if he was your accountant. More on number one and more on number two. Marvin always losing his cigarettes. Joey Pants screaming F-bombs over the phone. Sex with chickens. Remember those chickens around the Indian reservation? There's some good-looking chickens there, Jack. You know, between us. Yeah, a couple there might have taken a shot at <laughs> Low-altitude flying helicopters with gunmen who can't hit their target. 
the litmus configuration, and of course, the emotional high point of the film when Jack's daughter sees him drive off while Danny Elfman's underrated bluesy score starts to swell in the background. This film is filled with such an impressive array of funny, suspenseful, and touching moments that it transcends its genre. We genuinely start to care about both Jack and Mardukas, the central predicament of the film being that one of them can't get what he really wants without the other one paying a steep price. The brilliant screenplay by George Gallo, it milks every possibility from that premise while still maintaining a light touch and never drifting into melodrama. It all leads to a genuinely moving ending that doesn't feel forced, yet still leaves me with a lump in my throat even as I watch it now. Helped in no small part by two very different leads who pretty much play it straight for most of the screen time while still providing plenty of laughs. Seriously, this might be one of De Niro's best performances as he brought a different level of vulnerability and depth to the type of tough guy archetype he had played dozens of times before and since. Now, sure, there might be some leaps of logic. The film's not perfect. Just figuring out how both Jimmy Serrano and the FBI conduct themselves during that climax at McCarran Airport, it doesn't really make a lot of sense the more you think about it. And also, just for a supposed moron who keeps losing his claims, Marvin, played by John Ashton, he has a pretty uncanny ability to always find Jack exactly where he is. But those end up feeling like small quibbles when everyone is just firing in all cylinders like this. Midnight Run remains a perennial rewatch for me, even as much as Die Hard. Now, bear in mind, this is my inaugural episode, so still trying to figure some things out. But I think for every film, we're going to probably have a few categories or awards, if you will, that we'll discuss for each film. And let's start with the ones for Midnight Run. Music is essential to film, just as film is essential to music. And to have a great film or a bad film, the music plays a big part of that. One category I'm very enthusiastic about is Best Needle Drop. Basically, what this means is that this is the best use of music throughout the whole runtime of the film. And as far as I'm concerned, music is essential to film. And there's only one possible answer for this category. Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman did the score for this film. This was just the year before he did his now iconic score for Batman. And needless to say, the music he did for Midnight Run is vastly different from anything else he's done since then. It's bluesy, it's soulful, and it's great. His music is perfect throughout. I can't even pinpoint one moment. It swells up at the moments when you're supposed to get emotional. It's funny. It keeps the action moving. It's a great score. The next category is Wasted Talent. Fortunately, a category that really doesn't apply to this film, but... Basically, what the Wasted Talent Award is, is that this is the most underutilized part of the film, whether it could be an actor, cinematographer, famous director, famous writer. And honestly, in Midnight Run, I don't think there's any real Wasted Talent. I think everybody is really perfectly utilized, from the cast to the to the stunt crew to the screenplay. Everything is really pitch perfect. If I was going to say anything was wasted, I could use more Yafit Koto more Dennis Farina, and more Joey Pants, because they're just a blast to watch. They're just fun. I could have used more of them. But honestly, I don't think they're wasted. Next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this film. If you really love this film or you really hate the film, this is the moment that you will show somebody who hasn't seen it before that will give them the most accurate impression of that film. And for Midnight Run, there's probably quite a few of these. But if I had to pick one trailer moment, one kind of scene that stands out. It's probably early on in the film when you see De Niro and Groden on the passenger plane, when he's going to fly him from New York to LA, or so he thinks. 
Yeah, they're sitting in first class. It's an 80s plane where people could smoke and you have two levels. It's very 80s, but it's just, I gotta say, it's just a blast to watch De Niro just sitting there initially smug and happy with his De Niro smile, you know, singing to himself. He's got this in the bag. This is his midnight run. He's taking the Duke to LA and they're about to take off and he's going to probably get some surf and turf and he wants to get some steak and He's just having a blast. But of course, his enjoyment is short-lived as we see Charles Grodin playing the Duke, who doesn't want to fly, and who has told him up until this point that he's afraid of flying. And he's going to demonstrate that for him. And boy, does he ever. (laughs) It's a great comic moment just seeing Grodin, you know, twirl his arms around, basically taking up as much space as you can in a first-class cabin. These things go down! These things go down! They go. It's too big! It's too big! And the final category or award would be MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Of course, if it was a bad film, they'd be most responsible for that as well. And in this case, there's probably quite a few, you know, potential candidates. I mean, Brest did a great job directing this. It's beautifully scored, as as I've already said. The whole cast really shines. But if I had to pick basically two co-MVPs, it's got to be, yeah, it's got to be Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. This was De Niro's probably first full-on comedy, and Charles Grodin was kind of a comedy veteran at this point, and they both brought such unique styles to the table for this film, and it just results in perfect chemistry. I mean, these guys are great together. You could see them becoming friends. You understand why they don't want to become friends. It's part of why the ending of the film has such an emotional point to it, because you really don't think these guys are going to see each other again. Just watching these two very different styles, you know, an acclaimed Oscar-winning elite actor like Robert De Niro and a veteran comedian like Charles Grodin, both finding ways to kind of make these characters blend together in a story where you really care about both of them. It's it's just, it's magic. It's perfect. And these guys are the MVPs for this film. Overall, I think it goes without saying, Midnight Run is a modern classic. And I would give it my highest rating, which would be five stars out of five. Stay tuned next week for another review from Living for the Cinema. 